What's up, everybody? This is Cortland from NDHackers.com, and you're listening to the ND Hackers podcast. More people than ever are building cool stuff online and making a lot of money in the process. And on this show, I sit down with these ND Hackers to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, and the strategies they're taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. Today, I'm talking to Molly Wolchansky. Molly is the founder of a company called The Agent Nest. It's a SaaS application that helps with social media marketing. In particular, she helps real estate companies automate their Twitter posts, their Instagram posts, and their Facebook posts. You sort of popped onto my radar because of this post you made on Indie Hackers, I guess, uh, last month and the month before. And it was like growing from $145 a month to $7,500 a month in revenue since January of last year. And it was kind of like just like your, you know, the brief outline of your story and then you just kind of took questions. Uh, what motivated you to make that post? So my co-founder, who happens to also be my boyfriend, actually started posting on there and he told me, you know, you should, you should really go for it and start telling your story especially since I am a woman in the SaaS industry, there's not many. So he thought that it would be beneficial for me to just tell people what's been going on with my business and because it had grown so much because we started, like you said, in January of 2020 from, you know, March to April, we jumped from 500 MRR to 24, 2443. Um, so it just kind of grew so fast and, I was really happy about it. I am really happy about it, but it's also um, a very intimidating uh, kind of thing because this is my, my first SaaS business. And, um, you know, my co-founder has a lot of experience running a SaaS. He's had, he's had his for about eight years now. So I'm very grateful that he was able to kind of guide me through. I think your business is called The Agent Nest. And you had another... <laughs> business before that called Mo Realty Marketing. Oh my and gosh, so, <laughs> I really don't like that name. <laughs> you talked about that in your post. You said you didn't like the name. Yeah, I don't know. I just, it doesn't, I don't know. I was trying to incorporate my name, Molly, into real estate and then I don't know what happened there. And then it happens and you're stuck with it. Whatever name you choose, it's on all your business cards, it's your domain name, it's the name you've told everybody and it's so hard to change it. How'd you come up with a name for the agent nest? That's a really good question. I just I just did a lot of brainstorming. I did want agent in my name due to SEO and everything. And I am a big fan of birds. <laughs> I actually have some some bird tattoos and I have always just been fascinated by them. And a nest to me means it's it's a very safe place and it's a place of growth. And so I wanted to incorporate nests into my name because of my personal connection and feeling. There's a uh, a guide online. It's sort of like a, a legendary guide to naming. It's called the Igor's Guide to Naming. It's from some branding company called Igor. And uh, I look at it every time I want to name anything. It's always like a, like a grueling process because you sit down, you start spitting out names. Like most, at least when I try it, most of the names I come up with like just aren't good. And then it takes like, you know, a day or two of doing it before I'm like, okay, I like this name. But it, like kind of the entire time through the process, I always feel like I'm never going to have a good name. I'm on my like 15th name suggestion. It still sounds horrible. <laughs> but they, in their guide, they kind of break it down into like, they kind of like analyze all these different names and they break them down into, I think, four categories. So they have like functional descriptive names. So that would be, mm -hmm. I think, kind of similar to what you have, like because you were... Your company, The Agent Nest, deals with agencies. Like you have agent and the name, right? It's very obvious. It's like clear. You're speaking to your customers, et cetera. They have kind of invented names. 
So a lot of times, like these name generators will do this, will just come up with like a completely fake word, like aquient, you know, and like, okay, that sounds cool. But those names, like the upside to that is that it sounds cool and there's like no negative connotations, but the downside is that there's no positive connotations either. Like when you hear that name, it might sound cool, but it doesn't make you feel any feelings. It's not associated with anything. So you got to spend a bunch of money and time trying to like infuse that brand into people's minds. The other type of invented name is like, invented names that just kind of sound cool or like feel cool to say like oreo or snapple or google and like those are like the best kind because like they just feel like something the other couple categories i feel like it's just worth going through in case somebody out there is trying to name their business and they want to know like what the options are uh experiential names these are names that like connect to something real or something like a lot of internet browsers are called like safari or navigator or explorer or something like that like kind of imaginative and then the last type of names is the evocative names. And so these are like even more one step removed from what's going on. And they kind of cause you to like think. They kind of talk about like how you want people to feel about your brand rather than like describing exactly what it is that your company does. So this would be like Virgin Airlines or like Uber, like Apple or something, you know, like very like it's kind of like it makes you think for a second, like what is that about? But then you can kind of infuse a lot of like emotion and feeling into those words. And, or maybe they already have them. And so they talk about like evocative names being like the best or the most ideal. But like often, you know, other names from other categories can be even better. Uh, anyway, you've got your business. You've got a very functional name, the Agent Nest. It's doing super well. It's grown to uh, kind of the magical mark that most funders are trying to hit is like $10,000 a month. And you're like on your way there. You're like 80% of the way there. Yeah. So I have this... <laughs> Written on my whiteboard, I have, I will get to 10K by July in like giant letters. Um, and of course, like some months are really awesome. And then some months, you know, we kind of stay around the same, same MRR. And those months that don't grow, I get really discouraged because I'm like, I'm not going to meet my goal. And some, it's okay. If you stick around the same MRR, if you're not losing a ton of customers, I think it's okay. I've had to kind of tell myself that because we're not always going to meet our goals all the time. So as far as getting to 10K by by July, maybe that will happen. Maybe that won't. But right. if it doesn't, it's on a whiteboard. So I can just erase July <laughs> and then put October or something like that. And we're good. So <laughs> Thank God for whiteboards. That's the cool thing about being your own boss too is like, okay, you could just erase the goal off the whiteboard and like no one's going to come down on you. No one, like there is no one above you who will get mad that you didn't hit that goal. Like it's just you. So if you feel good about it, then it's totally chill and things are fine. So you're around $8,000 a month in revenue. What do your like expenses look like? What does your team look like? Is it just you and your boyfriend? So yeah, so right now our expenses, so I did go through expenses recently. It's definitely necessary software like Butter CMS, ConvertKit. We also use Stripe for our payment processing, Auth0, uh, Netlify, and then just kind of integrating all that into ad spend, probably spending around 1800 per month. I have not hired anybody yet. I have, I actually did um, include that in my post because I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about hiring somebody and my, my thoughts were I'm going to hire somebody once I get to 10K MRR. And um, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. 
because right now, so it is just me and him, but he's very, very busy. So he, he's the one who um, did all the back end and everything. He's a computer programmer. So for me, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing all the marketing, doing the design, customer service, kind of the whole shebang. So in order to kind of alleviate some of that stress, I have hired some freelancers to help me with graphic design and to help me with marketing. But as far as a hire, I have not made one. So so right now, um, it's me and then then he does about 15% of the work. So um, only in emergency situations where it involves coding or... Yeah, coding, basically. <laughs> so are, are you both, are either of you full-time on this or do you have other things going on? So this is the only thing that I do right now. So it would be, it would be full-time. And I had um, an issue with trying to do too many things at once because I always said yes to everything. And a really um, important thing I learned throughout the process of owning my own company is you don't have to say yes to everything. So I would get emails from real estate agents asking me, you know, hey, can you build my website or can you create this for me? And I would always say yes. And then I'd get really overwhelmed with how much I needed to do because I was trying to manage the agent nest and I was trying to build websites and I was trying to make sure individual social media looked presentable. And before, you know, Mo Realty Marketing, before it kind of transformed into the agent nest, um, I was doing working for individual agents. So I would post directly onto their social media for them. I would create um, events for their open houses and their listings. And it took a lot of time. And one of the biggest issues that I ran into with that business is since it takes a lot of time, I have to charge more because I feel like my time is valuable. And a lot of times with agents, they weren't able to afford the $450 around there that I was charging per month. I kind of got the idea for the agent nest after thinking about that because I, you know, there are a lot of agents who can't afford that, especially ones who have just come into the industry. They're brand new. They're trying to figure out how to market their business. And um, so one day I'm just like, I need to create something that everybody can afford, that everybody can have access to at the same time where I'm not doing everything myself. So let's talk about your, your first business where you're doing like all this manual one-on-one work with these these real estate agents. I know nothing about real estate and know nothing about what like real estate agents are worried about. Why would they come to you? Was it just because they had trouble finding clients? Uh, beginning of 2015 is when I started creating the business. And let me preface this by saying um, I've always been a business owner. I've always had a business owner mindset. When I was six years old, I would create these boats out of foil. And uh, my sister and I would sit on the side of the road in front of our house selling foil boats. We were having an issue with nobody buying them. So I'm like, you know what we should do is we should fill up a cooler with water and then um, put the boats on top of the water so we can show people that the boats actually work. We made 50 cents. So <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. Um, and then after that, um, during college, I ended up starting an Etsy business and I created products for people. That was another business where it took a lot of time because I was painting on coffee mugs and creating t-shirts and, and doing so many different things. 
to where I got really overwhelmed and almost burnt out, I think, from doing the same thing over and over again every day. And then uh, after that, uh, so my, my mom, going back to your question, my mom is a real estate agent. So she was needing my help with her social media. And I was like, okay, well, well, let's do this thing. And I've always been, so I did all my own marketing, all my own design for my Etsy business. So I had experience with graphic design and marketing at that point. I kind of taught myself how to do it. And so I started posting on her social media and then people were asking her, hey, where are you getting all this great content from? And so she told them and then they told their friends. And then I started having people email me and then the light bulb went off and I'm like, all right, time to name this thing. And then I did it too fast and I came with it anyway. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, then you get mobile um, team marketing. Yeah, yeah, that's where that's where that came from. Um, I thought it meant that like it was like more realty, like more realty, like more realty, but I didn't realize it was I, supposed to be Molly. Yeah, I know. And nobody, why would anybody know that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I started posting for individuals, mm-hmm. creating individuals' content for about five years. Uh, it became a little bit too much for me for a couple of reasons. And it got to the point where I couldn't manage that many people. And I have a problem with saying no to things. As I kind of mentioned earlier, I kept saying yes to everything. So a new person would email me like, hey, I need help with this. Yes, I'll do it. Um, And then I ended up having like 19 clients where I was trying to manage everything all at once. And it just got to a point where I couldn't do it anymore. And then I actually ended up making my first hire for that business to kind of help me with posting and everything. The hire that I made uh, lasted three days. (laughs) So I have, that's why I'm so scared of like hiring somebody now. Right. Because it just, it just didn't work out. It didn't work out. So, so many people have this experience with hiring where like, if you have a really bad hire, it kind of scars you for life. You're just like, oh my God, like this is so expensive and so much time and so much emotional effort. And it was so horrible to have to like fire this person, et cetera, et cetera. How does anyone ever hire? How could I trust anybody to do anything? Like when I'm the one who's done it all successfully. But then people often have the opposite experience. If you make a really good hire where you feel like anxiety, you're like, I don't know if this is going to work. Like I'm giving my baby to this person. And then they just go like above and beyond expectations. And they're like doing things you didn't even think of. And they're amazing. And you're like, hiring's amazing. <laughs> and whenever you have that experience, you're like, okay, I get why people hire, et cetera, et cetera. But like your first hire kind of shapes how you feel about things until your mind is like eventually changed. With my first hire, I think I didn't do enough research on the individual person as far as her experience goes. I really liked her. But at the same time on... The first day of work, she showed up 45 minutes late. So that was kind of a red flag. The second day, um, she took a two and a half hour lunch break uh, and didn't come back <laughs> until like 2.30 p.m. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, so I'm not very good with confrontation. Let me just put the, let me just throw it out there. I need to be a bit, a little bit better about that. Um, so I'm like, oh, hey, what's going on? You know, why'd you take a two and a half hour lunch break? And she's like, oh, I had some stuff come up. And I was like, okay. Instead of saying something. So, yeah. So, I, that's something I, I need to work on and I am working on. I definitely have become more confident in my own skin, I suppose, since with growth, you know, comes more confidence, I believe. And mistakes too. Like doing things doing things wrong and like making the hiring mistakes like we've all done and then realizing like, actually, your business is fine. 
and it will leave, live to see another day and things are fine. Like it kind of helps you build like a little bit of that, like thick skin toward like, it's okay to experiment. It's okay to try with things. It's okay to make mistakes. You're probably still going to keep going. Well, there were, there were definitely some mistakes made and, and different aspects of it, but they were all learning experiences. And so it, as far as, um, with the uh, individuals that I was working with, it, they started asking me for more things and they started emailing me more and saying they needed this and this and this and this when we had agreed upon, you know, I'm only doing social media posts. And then they're like, well, can you create a right. postcard for me real quick? Can you create a flyer for me real quick? <laughs> and I would say yes. And then I would get so bombarded with all of these things. Right. And I was just like, I need to fix this. I need to do something to where, number one, I can handle an infinite amount of customers. And I also need to... um be able to put a little bit less of my time into talking and posting to people's social medias. So I had to figure out how can I alleviate all of this stress and how can I fix this? And I did a lot of, had a lot of brainstorming sessions. I like to meditate. So, you know, that helped a little bit too. And kind of, it kind of transformed into the agent nest from here. So tell me about that process because I think you could have gone in so many different directions. You could have been like, you know what? I'm going to get better at saying no. I'm only going to stick to social media posts and that's how things are going to be. Or you could have been like, you know what? I'm just going to embrace this scattershot approach and just start doing any and everything with my agency. Or you could have been like, you know what? I'm getting out of the real estate business for good. (laughs) This is too stressful. I'm tired of it. I don't like it. Let me do something new. Like, How did you decide I'm going to build a SaaS application that serves well maybe we haven't even described what the agent nest does what is the agent nest exactly and how does it how does it help uh, real estate agents the agent nest is a platform where people can sign up for a membership um, at $32 a month or $59 a month depending on what plan they go with when they sign up they have access to uh, social media posts that they can edit with through Canva and it come they come with uh, captions and hashtags we also do have postcards, flyers, listing videos, listing presentations, open house promos. So basically anything that an agent needs, digital or print, they can get it in one place. So with a $32 a month plan, they get access to all that. $59 a month, we actually white labeled with a company. So we were able to um, give the agents an option to schedule directly to their social media, which was a huge thing for us. We implemented that I think around May of 2020 and that we did see a lot of growth from that. And we still are seeing growth from that going into something new is always scary. And I did want to quit. I'm not going to lie because I just felt, I don't know. I I wanted to quit and I wanted to give up for a few reasons. Uh, One being I kept on looking at other people And I kept on seeing their success. And I kept telling myself, I will never be like that. I'm never going to be that successful person. How can I compete with that? How can I do that? So I I did want to quit. And I'm a writer and I love to write. And I have written plays and I'm published, have been published in magazines and I've helped publish books and everything. So I kind of wanted to focus on that. But at the same time, I really like marketing. I really like content creation. I do like working with real estate agents. 
And I had to figure out what my passion was. I had just turned, about to turn 30 years old, going through not a midlife crisis, obviously, but kind of like an existential one. Like, what am I doing with my life kind of thing? And (laughs) I'm sure maybe some people can identify with that. And I I was just like, you know, I, I like what I'm doing. I just need to tweak it. And after walking through what to do to fix these problems of time and how many people I could handle, I I thought about it and I talked to my co-founder about it and I said, hey, I have this idea. Is it possible? Can you help me? So we actually started with a a no-code solution to our platform and I created the website myself and he worked on the back end of the website. Now we use, you know, we're, we're coding C-sharp and using Vue. Custom development. Yeah. I was just talking to a buddy who wants to start an app. And he's like, well, how do I raise money? You know, I got to talk to investors, et cetera. I'm like, well, what do you need to raise money for? He's like, I need software engineers and designers, et cetera. I'm like, no, no, like, just like start with something yeah. super simple. Because I know I talked to so many founders who are not technical or who get started with something, you know, using no code or using like an email list. And they eventually step by step, you know, as they make more money or find more success, build it up into something bigger and better. But like you don't have to start with a custom coded web app from day one. Like there's really no reason you have to start there just because that's where you want to end. Absolutely, and it it does cost money, and it does you know if you don't have the money to start it, I think that's a, a deterrent for a lot of people. So like you know what, you need all this money to do this, and you and you don't because for me, I'll tell you, I was not doing well. I was broke. Like I didn't have money even after handling like 19 clients. I still didn't have the money. Because I was pay, I had a lot of bills, you know, you know how life is. And so uh, that was another thing where I had talked to my co-founder about like, hey, how can we do this for the least amount of money possible? So whenever I started, I only invested about $500 into starting the company and how I grew it to be from, from January, just say to April from like a hundred. So January, I had like four signups and I'm so hard on myself. I'm like, why am I doing this? How? And my, my boyfriend's like, you got four signups. Like, that's awesome. Some people don't get their yeah, first sign up for like two years. I'm just like, no, I need to be better. Well, let me ask you, it's like, what, what is driving you to need to be better? You're talking about looking at these other people who are so successful and thinking like, you're not going to be that successful. It's like, what is, what is your goal? You know, what do you want to accomplish? I've always just kind of been a perfectionist where I have to be good at everything. And that is also a big problem because I have not done a lot of things in my life that I wanted to do because I was afraid of failure. And I've wanted to write a book, but I'm afraid it's not going to be good. Like, I'm like, I'm no, I'm no George Orwell. I'm no Ernest Hemingway. Nobody's going to want to read my book. You know, I'm comparing myself to these amazing people. And it's, it's okay to compare yourself, but it's not okay to stop doing what you want to do because of that. I, I just had a lot of, a lot of issues with that. And it does pop up still sometimes because we're having other companies that are uh, similar to mine, like our competitors and everything. And there was one day when I was looking at one of my competitors and I noticed that she had just gotten to a thousand customers and was talking about it on social media. And I was just like, I am not doing this anymore. I'm never getting to a thousand customers. I can't believe this. And I have learned to not be so hard on myself and to celebrate my successes. I need to make sure that I do celebrate even the small ones because that's how you keep going. That's how you keep moving forward. Yeah. I'm, 
wired kind of the same way as you. When you talk about being a perfectionist, when you talk about being self-critical and like wanting to do more and do it better. And it's like a, it's a double-edged sword because obviously like there are limits to how self-critical you should be and you could just beat yourself up. You can get to a state where you're actually doing really well. And like, you know, you found your first four customers in the first month. That's better than a lot of indie hackers you start off. But then you're not happy because you're just thinking about how much better things can be. But the, I think the advantage to being a perfectionist is that uh, a lot of people, especially when they're crafting a product or like some sort of art or some sort of book or anything, just aren't realistic with themselves in terms of evaluating what they're doing and whether or not they're doing a good job, which I think sometimes prevents them from fixing obvious mistakes and flaws. And out of all the perfectionists I know, like that's never the case. <laughs> We're like very good at saying like, you know, this could be better. Here's what needs to be improved, et cetera. And I think that realism, if you can channel it and hone it into like, you know, a limited surface area, if you can be a perfectionist over just like one very specific app or one very specific piece of writing or one very specific thing that you're working on, then you can really make that, take that thing and make it much better than I think the average person can. That is a really good way to put it. Because if you're trying to be perfectionist in every single aspect of your life or every single aspect of your business, it's not going to happen. So if you if you just focus on the one thing, I mean, and there's, there's actually a book called The One Thing where it's saying like you need to focus on one thing at a time. If you're doing too many things, then you're not going to be good. You can't be good at everything. So there was yep. a time when I, I was trying to be good at everything. But like you said, there there's a point where you're like, okay, I need to focus on this. And then we'll get to the other thing next. And that's hard to do when you start a new company because like every blog post you listen to, or every blog post you read, every podcast you listen to, every book you read, like they have like a million different tips and tricks. Like do this, do that. What about SEO? What about ads? Why aren't you on Facebook? What about Instagram? And it's like super easy to think like, oh my God, I'm like not doing enough. But like the real answer probably in the early days is like you just... You should only be doing like one or two things, like tops. Like two things might be too yeah. many. And if you're doing any more than that, even though it feels like that's what you should be doing, it, because that's what everybody says you should be doing, that's probably not the right way to go. And when I look at like your early growth for the Agent Nest, you know, you start the SaaS company in January of last year. You made looks like 145 bucks your first month. And the next month, you more than doubled. You're like, you know, about $400, then $500. And then in April, so- suddenly, you go to $2,500 a month. Like you, you basically quintupled your revenue. I'm going to guess that that probably wasn't from doing like 15 different things. I'm going to guess that like something worked really well. I don't know. I could be wrong. But like what, what changed from January it's, through it's April? It's interesting because uh, starting a business in 2020 uh, was definitely scary um, due to the obvious, you know, everything that was going on in the world. Right. And so in, in March, when the pandemic hit, I was like, this business is going to fail. I'm not going to be able to do this. Nobody's going to sign up. People are trying to save money. So I did actually decide to give my product away for free to everybody, to all real estate agents for 30 days. And I said, I made an ad about it. And I said, you know, I know everybody's going through a hard time. So here's my website. Sign up for free. It's yours. And after I did that, I had a lot of people actually sign up for paid afterwards. And I didn't I did not expect that to happen. I did I really didn't. Another thing that was really beneficial for me was I have had a lot of former clients. Um, I've probably had about a hundred, a lot of them come and go, you know, so I did email each and every one of my clients, just said, Hey, how's it going? You know, I haven't talked to you in a while, told them about my new business. And this was all in March too. I was just really determined. So I, I I emailed all these people. I said, do you know people, other real estate agents? We have a referral program. So if you want to refer somebody over to this, then we'll give you this amount of money. And so I emailed them. 
And I also uh, emailed in the past, I was uh, invited to teach classes at Keller Williams uh, real estate agency. And so I have taught a lot of classes around the Dallas Metroplex to Keller Williams agents um, about how to market their business, how to create a Facebook page, how to uh, use the internet. I'm not joking. Um, so, <laughs> so there were a lot of different classes. Some, some people did not even know how to use the internet. That's okay. You have to be really patient for things like that. So after teaching those classes, I had an email list of those people and I sent out a mass email to them. Um, so after doing that and after running the ad that was really well perceived, I don't, I only spent about $400 on that ad. Um, my click per cost was, I think, two cents. So after that happened is when we started seeing a lot of the growth. Through a lot of the work that you basically spent years doing in the real estate world with your marketing agency, with like the classes that you taught, like you built up this huge network and that came in handy later on, which I think speaks to why it makes sense to, you know, when you're sort of searching through the wilderness, trying to figure out what to do and you wanted to quit, the decision to stick with that niche, to stick with what you felt comfortable with and like the connections you built in the real estate agency seems like it paid dividends. Because like if I tried to like start a real estate, you know, marketing business, like I, I know nobody. I know zero people. I have absolutely nobody on an email list that I could email and be like, hey, are you interested in this? Like I would get crickets. You know, like I said, I, I did it for five years. So I, I did have a lot of contacts and I'm very lucky that I did. And I'm also very lucky that I uh, wrote down the contacts. I actually I actually didn't implement them into any kind of system like MailChimp or anything. I just had this notepad full of emails. So I had to go through and type them all out and, and do all that. I also went to a few real estate conventions and got some emails from there as well. My advice for conventions, <laughs> I won't go on a rant, but I will tell you, um, before you decide to pay for a booth at a convention, do research on that convention because there was one that I went to that probably had about 50 people show up. So I need to do research on the things that I'm investing my time and money into. That's important. That's just another thing you can add on to the list of mistakes. It's okay. Tell me about this ad that you ran that you spent what, $400 on? And you're getting like clicks for two cents or something crazy. Like, where did you run this ad? It was like a Facebook ad? Yeah, or a Google so I ad? ran it through Facebook. It's really difficult because back then, um, I was able to target real estate agents and job titles, realtors and everything. So at that time, I did target real estate agents and I target brokerages. Uh, I targeted people in the United States and also Canada. And on the ad, I had a graphic on there that said 30 days free in big letters. And then in the text box, I said, everything you need for your real estate business, we're giving it away for 30 days free for a limited time uh, to help you during this difficult time. And people just click, started clicking on it and signing up. And I was happy. I was really happy. And the thing about Facebook ads is it, Facebook ads have made my life a lot more difficult now, I will say, because there are a lot of restrictions that they put up about probably nine months ago, where you are not allowed to target job titles if you are in the real estate industry. And so anytime I try to run a Facebook ad and don't check off housing on there, um, then I get flagged and the ad does ad gets rejected. So I've had a lot of challenges with recreating an ad that's able to target that many people. 
And I think that's one of the things um, I'm still working out. Like I'm able to target Zillow.com Pro and Realtor.com Pro and multiple listing service, but I can't target specific job titles. And uh, that that has been a challenge. So after that, I decided to move on to Pinterest and run Pinterest ads. You know, I've, I've been working with Pinterest for a really long time. I didn't run a lot of Pinterest ads. I, I decided to just post some of my content on there for free and said, you know, sign up for this email to receive 10 free social media posts with captions and hashtags. And through the Pinterest ad, it started getting a lot more traction too. So then um, in in May, so from April to May, we went from 2,400 to 3,500 just from running the Pinterest ads. So I've been kind of sticking with Pinterest and I have about 100,000 uh, Pinterest uh, views on my profile each month. So yeah, I really enjoy using that platform as well. <laughs> I want to talk about like your your sort of like continued growth because would you say that Pinterest ads have been sort of like the crucial or ads in general have been like the crucial linchpin in your growth strategy since since then? Because in April of last year, you hit $2,500 a month with the sort of like free promotion and like these ads. Today, you're like three times that. What's contributed to that growth? So definitely ads. I usually stick to Facebook ads and Pinterest ads. And also Instagram as well has been a really big outlet for helping my business. And I know you're really big on Twitter. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on Twitter. But as far as uh, Instagram goes, you know, I have almost 13,000 followers on Instagram. And in order to target my specific audience... I go through Instagram, type in the hashtag realtor, and then just start liking and commenting on all posts with the hashtag realtor on it. And that has also helped me tremendously. But it also takes a lot of time as well, because I am trying to do, you know, I'm trying to market my business as well as create content like I already. But what helped with that growth is number one, yes, ads. Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook are the main ones I go for. Number two, we did add a new plan was scheduled posting. And I looked at all my competitors, and we are the only company in the industry right now that offers scheduled posting. And since we're white-labeled with another company, we're able to give people analytics, and we have RSS feeds in there, and that's been really helpful to them. So just adding on that other plan really helped with the growth too. Also, just increasing my ad budget. So I started, my MRR started going up. So I started to increase how much I was spending per month. Now I'm spending around $1,000 per month on ads. And that's okay. You know, a part of me just wants to spend all of it on ads. <laughs> like I like I need to just throw it all in there, just an entire month's worth of MRR for an ad to see what happens. Because it, it's okay to spend your mar- your money on marketing because that is the number one way you're going to get customers is through marketing. And I think that should be, in my opinion, that should be the biggest budget for any company that's trying to grow. And even if you, you feel like, oh, I didn't make any money this month, it, it'll be okay because you're getting more, or as far as me, I was getting more signups. So now I'm averaging around 60 signups per month. Just starting this year, last year, it got a bit slow and I got stuck. And I feel like a lot of people get stuck at a certain amount. So I got stuck at 5,000 MRR for a while. And 
even I was even running the ads. I was even do, I was doing everything that I was doing before, and I just was like, man, why am I stuck in this one spot? I was like, I have to do something to figure out how to get me out of this little rut I'm in. So I decided to reevaluate my marketing strategy. Um, I decided to reevaluate my ads. I created new ads. I also started running ads on Google for the first time. I had never done that before with this business. So I decided to go the Google ads route. Um, Also worked on the SEO for my website, which was kind of uh, faltering a little bit. And... um, that's how I kind of got out of that 5,000 rut was I just kind of switched around the strategy that I used for marketing. So I was like, it worked before. It's not working now. So let's let's change it and fix it. You know, There's so many advantages that you have in the situation, I think, by being a marketer. Because most of the people that I have on the show, they're like software engineers. Mm-hmm. So they come into every problem with their software engineer hat on. They say, oh, I'm not getting enough customers. I'm not getting enough signups. Like, it must be a problem with my product. Right. If only I, you know, spend the next six months building this feature, I tweak these colors, I move this button over here, then something better will happen and I'll magically start growing. And because your co-founder is a software engineer and he's just sort of plugging away working on that, you're free to think with only your marketing hat on. And like that's something that a lot of people who haven't like actually gotten started doing, like are totally afraid to do. Like probably the vast majority of indie hackers have never even tried spending a single dollar on advertising which is probably one of the easiest ways to get users because you just show them a thing and if they like it, they just, they click it. You know, yeah. like it's like it's pretty straightforward. So like in your particular situation, you're only trying different marketing approaches. You're only trying like different ad channels, et cetera. And like if that turns out like that's the actual thing that's caused you to plateau, then like you're going to succeed because you're trying this thing that other people don't even attempt to try or might be scared to try. So I like the division of labor between you and your co-founder. And I like the fact that like you're willing to spend money to make money. I'm curious now that you're, you know, you're pretty close to your $10,000 a month goal. Like, what are you going to do to get there? What do you think is the next hurdle you need to overcome? To get to my 10,000 MR, I actually uh, revised my ad yesterday. I am keeping on my free trial. I do want to eventually drop the free trial. I'm going to continue to run uh, Facebook ads. I actually upped my budget for my Facebook ad to $30 per day. And I'm focusing on that one ad because right now it's doing very well. And I also would really like to market more on my Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And by market more, I mean by posting every single day, going through each hashtag and commenting and liking on people's pages. Because whenever I did that, whenever I interacted with my target audience on a daily basis, I would get multiple signups. And then I started getting too busy to do that. But that's something that I can do from my couch or in my bed. You know, it's something that you don't have to be sitting on a desk to do. And it's easy. And it doesn't cause, you know, it doesn't, I don't have to think a lot about it. All I have to do is just go through realtor, uh, hashtag realtor. They say, oh, I made a sale. And I comment and say, congratulations, this is amazing with a heart emoji. And then you get a follower and you potentially get a client or a member. So I need to focus more on just talking to my target audience and being more available. And I think that if I keep doing that, then I will get to my 10,000 MRR. Once I get to my 10,000 MRR, that is when I will hire somebody to do all that work for me. And make another post on Andy Hackers about how you got there. Yes. Oh my gosh. Of course. I, yeah, I have come across a few communities that I have not felt as welcome in. And whenever I posted on there, everybody was just so nice and so welcoming and wonderful and so supportive. 
And I've had people message me or send me an email or contact me through Instagram asking me questions on how I got to where I am. I I just feel so honored. You made a really good post. I think it's like the formula is pretty straightforward. You be transparent. You actually tell your story in like a story form. You know, you don't hide the bad stuff. You don't only show the good stuff. And you did all of that in your post. So it's, I think, hard for people reading that who are going through the same journey that you are not to want to connect to you and not to want to empathize with you and not to want to like reach out to you. So it was really cool to see that. And you've done the exact same thing in this podcast. Hopefully, people will reach out to you as well. I ask everybody who comes on the show uh, kind of the same question at the end, which is, what's your advice for other people who are just getting started? Now, a lot of people are trying to do what you're on the verge of doing, getting to this like $10,000 a month revenue mark. What's your feedback for them if they're frustrated and just getting started? So, frustration is something that's going to happen. And your feelings are valid. I just want to tell you that. My advice would be, Don't let other successful companies in the same field become a deterrent to your success. Because a lot of times I would look at companies that were similar to mine, I would see how well they were doing, and I would say, you know what, I'm not going to get there. I can't do this. And I think it is so important to tell yourself, I can. I can do this and I will do this. And just focus on focus on your business, focus on what you care about. And if you do become discouraged, don't stay in that discouragement. Use that discouragement as fuel to grow and to get better. All right. Love it. Don't let other companies become a discouragement to your success. And honestly, it makes perfect sense because so many of the founders I've talked to are starting companies that are solving similar problems to companies that are much bigger and more established than theirs. You know, they're just coming at it from a different angle with a different creative solution or different customers. And they weren't deterred by the fact that someone had already done it in a different way before them. And so uh, I like the fact that you're doing the same thing. You know, like you're not the very first person to ever help real estate agents with their social media marketing. <laughs> yeah. And yet you're still crushing it and doing yeah. a great job. So thank you so uh, much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show. Can you let listeners know where they can go to learn more about you and what you're up to? Well, you can, uh, my website, so it's just theagentnest.com. And then all of my social media handles are The Agent Nest. Um, so Instagram, The Agent Nest, Twitter, The Agent Nest. Uh, that's another marketing tip for you. Make sure that all of your <laughs> all of your social media handles have the same exact name. That's really helpful. Yeah, so that's how you can contact me or uh, molly at theagentnest.com. That's my email. So don't, feel, don't be afraid to reach out. All right. Thanks, Molly. All right. Thank you so much, Corlin. Appreciate it.